of industries, governors, and world-class preachers, apostles, prophets, pastors, and leaders. Will you celebrate yourself? Because, you know, every time we are called like this to preach, we're mindful of the scripture that says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men what God has prepared for them that love Him. Pastor Edwin, you have seen. Pastor Ndukwe, you have seen. But there's somebody in this congregation nobody has seen. And the Bible says there is something coming greater than the one that is already before you. So would you celebrate yourself for the last time? Hallelujah. Pastor Enna and Pastor Undu, I just want to say thank you for the honor and privilege. Thank you. I will never take it for granted. And to all the great men and women of God, thank you, sirs. And God bless you in Jesus' name. I said, God bless you in Jesus' name. Do we know that song, Show Us the Ancient Paths? All right, come. Somebody just, the choir just lead us in two minutes, and then we'll go straight into the word of God. Show us the ancient paths.
show us the ancient parts. Show, show us the ancient parts. That's our prayer, that's our song, and that's the cry and desire of our heart this morning. Take us back to the way of the cross, show us the ancient paths, bring us back into the ancient landmarks, and cause us to walk in the way that you have ordained forevermore. Bless us in this brief session, and let all glory and all honor be returned back to Jesus. Thank you. Jesus mighty name we pray say better amen say living amen say it like you already had breakfast hallelujah you may be seated this morning my assignment under the leadership of the house is to just share in this leadership session I have two topics and I'm taking the second out of them for reasons of expediency and I'm going to be sharing um, alongside the leadership and maximum productivity session, um, which is actually meant for tomorrow's morning. And I'm going to be speaking on strength for productivity. Somebody say after me, strength for productivity. For the last time, say strength for productivity. Hallelujah. Help me, Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 4 was the first use of the word strength in the Bible. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 11 is the first use of the word strength in the Bible. Genesis 4, 11. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which has opened open a mouth to receive your brother's blood from thine hand. Verse 12, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto you a what? A what? A strength. And then it says, a fugitive, a vagabond, you will be in the earth. The first use of the word strength in the Bible was in Genesis chapter number 4. And notice... It says, when you till the ground, it will not yield to you of its strength. The word strength there actually was speaking about potential. Potential. Possibilities. The word potential is everything you can be, but you are not right now. Is anybody hearing me? Come on, talk to me. Is anybody hearing me? It's everything you can be, but you are not right now. That's the word strength. So, 
And if you understand the law of first mention, going forward, it defines and lays the very foundation upon which you should begin to understand the use of strength literally across scripture. So when, for example, in Job chapter 40, verse 15, Job 40, 15, Job was speaking prophetically, and then he describes and says, and now behold, okay, before we read Job, before we read Job, please, okay, fantastic, leave it there, leave it there. Job chapter 40, verse 15. It says, behold now behemoth, Job 40, 15. Behold now behemoth, which I made with you. He eats grass as an ox. Lo now, look now, his strength is in his loins. His force is in the navel of his belly. Now please notice, horses generally in scripture are known for strength. Up till today, horses, how do you name the power of your generator? You say it's five horsepower, something like that. Am I correct? Okay? We, we name or your air conditioning. You say it's two horsepower, seven horsepower. Why? Because horse is known for strength. So it was describing this particular creature that looks like a horse. And it says to us, it says it's force. His strength is in his loins. And his force, his productivity is somewhere around the navel of his belly. I want you to follow me closely. Notice we are dealing with strength for productivity. And it says, the secret of the productivity of this horse is somewhere around his loins. Somewhere around the navel of his belly. So, Genesis 49, Jacob was about to go and needed to tell the future of his children to them. And he began to speak and said to Reuben, he says, you are my firstborn. You are my might. You are the beginning of my strength. And then he says, but you will not excel because you are as unstable as water. Notice where we began from. Your strength is your potential. It's your possibility. It's the things you can do, but you're not right now. And then he went on and on and on and on and on. But then Reuben, uh, Jacob was speaking to Reuben and says, your possibility, the greatest secret to what you can achieve. One of the greatest things that will show what God can use you to do. He says, you are the beginning of my strength. And when he was speaking about the strength, you may not relate it there to productivity, but he was referring to his ability to bring forth a child, his firstborn child called Reuben. And he said, when I displayed my ability to produce a child, you were the first person that came out. So ladies and gentlemen, it's in the light of all this that you should begin to understand what Proverbs was talking about when Solomon was speaking in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, and he says, the glory of the young man is his what? Please answer me. The glory of the young man is his what? It's his strength. Somebody says strength. So what exactly was Solomon was talking about? Was he talking about his biceps? His triceps? Was he talking about his ability to move stuff and carry weight? No. When he says the glory of the young man, don't forget where we began from. He's talking about something far bigger than the biceps and the strength of the young man. 
Are you still with me? Come on, talk to me. Are you still with me? If Reuben was referred to as the beginning of his strength, if Hebrews 11, 11, the, speak, the Bible was speaking and it says, Sarah, by faith, received strength to conceive seed. Hebrews 11, 11. You will notice that there's something bigger that the scripture was talking about as we speak about the productivity of your assignment as a child of God, as a pastor, and as a leader. Is anybody hearing me? This morning, it seems to be talking about something that has to do with your loins, the navel under your belly. Something that is far greater than the things we have considered strength to represent. Is anybody hearing me? And in one word, he was speaking about the sexuality of the individual. Let me pause it there and speak to you about something else that I would have spoken about if I had the two sessions. It's called self-leadership. Everybody say self-leadership. Say it aloud. Say self-leadership. One of the traditions of the Old Testament that comes in very handy as far as the New Testament church is concerned is the ministry of the eunuch. Everybody say eunuch. Can you say it aloud? Say eunuch. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you take time to read about how the palace of the old covenant was, or the olden days times was constituted, the king is there, but the king will always appoint a certain gentleman or a group of people called eunuchs. The assignment of these people is to look after the bride of the king. Are you still with me? Daniel was a eunuch. And according to scripture, there are three kinds of eunuch. Number one, there are congenital eunuchs. Two, there are spiritual eunuchs. And three, there are official eunuchs, according to Matthew. Congenital eunuch are people who are born and naturally they can perform sexually. Spiritual eunuchs are people who for the sake of the calling upon their lives, they are to sacrifice marriage. You see that in the Catholic Church, where you have priests and reverend sisters who sacrifice the ministry of marriage just for the sake of the ministry they have. But then you also have these people who are called official eunuchs. That's where most of the people you saw in the Bible fell into. Like Daniel. That's where the Ethiopian eunuch fell into. That's where several other eunuchs fell into. These people are not congenital. They can perform. These people are not necessarily spiritual because that's not the assignment. But now these people have been conscripted to serve in the king's palace, particularly in the area of looking after the queen. What did they do to them? They castrate them. They remove the ability of these guys to be able to perform. Why? Because the assignment of the eunuch is very interesting. Their job is to look after the king. And if you read the book of Esther, you'll have a better picture of what they do. The Bible says six months, she was anointed with the oil of myrrh. In another six months, she was anointed with sweet perfume. So here is a gentleman who is employed by the king in preparing the king's bride for him. What is his job? He baits the woman. When she's out of the bathroom, he takes that particular oil and it takes time to anoint her. The Bible says for six months, it was anointing her with the oil of myrrh. That's, that's the chamberlain, the, 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 the eunuch. The, I think they call him chamberlain, something like that in Esther. That 
guy has to do all that. And then for six months, the oil of men, six months, sweet perfume. He did all that in preparing the bride for the king. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you will agree with me? It takes a whole lot of work and discipline to work in that kind of office. Do I have any agreement in the house? Please turn to be somebody. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The reason why that man is called eunuch is because no matter how much he loves the bride, no matter how much he admires the bride, he doesn't have the potential to sleep with the bride. Ladies and gentlemen, every time God calls you into leadership of some sort in all fivefold ministries or any other thing outside of that, I want you to understand that the summary of our assignment is to prepare the bride for the king. The summary of our assignment is to make sure the bride is well oiled, she's well bathed, she's properly adorned, dressed, and decorated for the king. And no matter how you love the bride, no matter how you admire the bride, the first call of leadership is to know that you don't have the ability to sleep with the bride. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your office. It has everything to do with the king for whom you are preparing the bride. This is the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible will say to us that in order for you to fulfill your destiny, as a leader, Paul was speaking and he says, let me, just, let me just go for time's sake. Let me go straight to Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. Put it on the screen for me for time's sake. Proverbs 25, 28. Are you still with me this morning? Please talk to me. Are you still with me? So he was speaking there. He says, he that has no room over his own words, spirits, is like a city that is broken down and without Words. Give me the message translation. Message translation. It says, a person without self-control is like a house with the doors and windows knocked out. I want you to try and look at a house. No doors, no window. That's exactly what happens to you as a leader when you have no control over your spirit. It says, that man is like a city without walls. Without any, see how he puts it in TPT, the Passion Translation, if you have it. It says, if you live without restraint and you're unable to control your temper, you are as helpless as a city with broken down defenses, open to attack. Please, I want you to note this. Let me read that again. If as a leader you live without restraint and you're unable to control your temper, you can't control your emotions. He says, you are as helpless as a city with a broken down defenses. And guess what? As a leader, you are open to attack. And it's dangerous for leaders to be open to attack. Because you are the front line of leadership. And when arrow is shot, chances are that you'll be the first one that will go down. But I believe and I prophesy, it will not be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, this brings me into the subject matter of this morning. And as I speak about strength for leadership. One of the greatest characters in the Bible, we used to speak about him very much back in the day, but we don't talk much about him now. It's a gentleman by the name of Samson. Everybody says Samson. I can't hear you say Samson. But the last time say Samson. 
the last part of the life of Samson, and by the way, the name Samson means son, child, or bright child, or bright son. And prophetically, that name was so apt because Samson was going to emerge, and that's the theme of our conference this year, he was going to be emerging at a time when Israel was in darkness. The Bible says in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their eyes. God was so angry with Israel, he allowed the enemies to overrun them. So enemy upon enemy will overrun them. And when they cry out for mercy, he raises a judge. Samson was born not only for the fact that it was supposed to be light to bring illumination or brightness to the darkness of Israel at the time. But interestingly, Samson was also born from one of the most uncommon tribes in Israel called the tribe of Dan. And according to the prophecy on Dan in Genesis 49, the Bible actually declares that out of Dan shall come forth a judge. So, God already ordained that out of that tribe, he was going to raise judges. Samson happens to be one of them. Ladies and gentlemen, from the time that Samson was born, Samson indeed was a light. But just before we go to the last phase of Samson, let me give you a bit of a history about, sorry, before we go to the beginning of his life, let me give you a bit of what happened in the latter days of his life. Judges chapter 16, verse 21. Judges 16, 21. Everybody go there. But the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, bound him with fetters of brass, and did grind in the prison house. How be it? Everybody say, I'll be it. I can't hear you say, I'll be it. The air of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Everybody, please look up here. I want to declare over somebody that the enemy has shaved your hair. I want to declare over somebody who feels loss of strength, loss of power. Don't forget, we're talking about strength for productivity. I want to declare over somebody that feels like that thing that used to make you different. That thing that used to be your, permit me to use the word, your magic wand. That thing that used to make you stand out of the crowd. That thing that makes, used to make you make the difference in your life. I come to declare over somebody that the enemy has shaven. Your air is growing back in this conference in the name of Jesus. I said your air is growing back in this conference in the name of Jesus. In pop culture, ladies and gentlemen, there's one thing they call mojo. Everybody say mojo. I can't hear you say mojo. Ladies and gentlemen, in pop culture, they say your mojo is your charm. It's your magic wand. It's your axe head. It's that thing that makes you you. If five of you sing soprano and all five of you are singing, when you open your mouth, there's a note in your voice, even though everybody is soprano, but there's a note in your voice no other person has. It's called, it's called your mojo in the pop culture. It's the thing that makes you different, such that everybody does the same thing as you do. But once you hold the microphone, they say, it's Amaka, we know Amaka. Even if we're not watching her face, even if she's backing us, we all know. There's this distinctness about the voice of Amaka. Is anybody hearing me? I declare over you, your uniqueness will come back. Your mojo will return back. In this conference, everything you lost, God is bringing back in the name of Jesus. Shout aloud, amen, somebody. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the life of Samson is an interesting life. Born as bright sun, born as light in the midst of darkness, 
Samson left nobody in doubt as to the fact that he had strength for productivity. The Bible told us that his anointing was to discipline the Philistines. I like the prophecy of Dan when he was prophesying about, about the tribe of Dan, sorry, the prophecy of Jacob, when he says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Now, please listen to verse 17, Genesis 49, 16, 17. Genesis 49, 16, 17. 17 says, Dan shall be as a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the us heads, us heels, so that his rider falls backward. That's exactly what Samson was. From the tribe of Dan. Nobody, let me tell you how a serpent deals with the horse. The horse most times does not see the serpent coming through or false. The serpent is hidden somewhere under grass. Before the horse knows what is happening, bam, it, has beat, it has beaten the horse. And once it does that, it injects the poison. Next thing, the poison begins to work and the horse falls backward. That's exactly what Samson was to Philistines. Philistines, they were looking for a judge that would judge Israel. They weren't expecting Samson. Don't be fooled by most of those things you saw on our children's Bible that says Samson had muscles. He had biceps. He has triceps. If the Philistines saw biceps and triceps, they would never ask Samson, where's the secret of your strength? Is anybody hearing me? He had no biceps. He had no triceps. He took the Philistines unawares. When the Philistines heard that the latest judge was Samson, they said, no problem, we can take that one out. Ladies and gentlemen, the scripture began to tell us of how this great this man was and how he invaded. In fact, when Samson is sleeping and you say, the Philistines be upon you, something about him rises up to discipline them. And, and you saw how he dealt with the lion, how he took out a thousand men of war, how he carried the gates of Gaza in the city, and so on and so forth. But ladies and gentlemen, it came to pass over time, Samson began to think, and, and, and as I speak about Samson, let me please address something that is very important for every one of us who are leaders. And please, I want you to listen to this. Judges 16 told us something about Samson that every one of us must know as leader. Judges 16.23, are you there? Judges 16.23. Please go back there. Let me ask a question before we read. Who brought down Samson? Who brought down Samson? I can't hear you. Who brought down Samson? For the last time, who brought down Samson? Are you sure? Who brought down Samson? Eh? Delilah, am I correct? Please answer me, am I correct? No, you are right. Just be sure of yourself. Who brought down Samson? How come you are suddenly not sure of yourself any longer? Verse 23. Then the loss of the Philistines, is it there? gathered themselves together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice for they said want to go no our Delilah our Delilah has delivered Samson into our into our enemy of Samson our enemy into our hand and when the people saw him they praised their Delilah who did they praise? Please answer me. Who did they praise? They praised their Delilah for they said, Our daughter Delilah. Our God has delivered into our hands. Now, who did Samson date? Please talk to me. Who did he sleep with? Who did he, who did he, who did he fall in love with? Who was he ready to sacrifice everything for? 
But who was the person that truly brought down Samson? Are you telling me behind that beautiful girl was a god? An orchestrated work of witchcraft that saw that Samson was too productive. We need to stop this productive man. We need to bring him down at all costs. And when it was time for Thanksgiving, the name Delilah never showed up. It was our God as delivered into our hands, our enemy. And they gave glory to their God. Somebody says strength for productivity. Now let me tell you what is interesting about Samson. Samson, and let me say this. I want to make this few points, three points, will summarize everything I want to say. Number one, everyone is strong in some area and weak in some area. If you are ever going to maximize your productivity as a man of God, you must rise, build on your strength, but learn how to manage your weaknesses. I repeat, everybody sitting here, beginning from the preacher, we are strong in some area, we are weak in some area. But if you are ever, ever going to maximize your productivity, you must learn how to maximize your strength. Then you must also learn how to manage your weakness. Everybody look up here. If you see anyone who is great on earth today, whether I say Pastor Ndukwe, whether I say Pastor Ina, or anybody you admire, there's one thing everyone has done. They've learned how to maximize their strength. God, the Bible says, unto everyone is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Everybody sitting under the sound of my voice has strength. There's something unique. There's an anointing upon you. There's something that is different about you. There's a grace you carry. Everyone is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. But guess what? That God gave you doesn't mean you are going to maximize your strength or maximize productivity. You must learn how to maximize. Three things you do with your strength. Number one, you must discover it. Number two, you must develop it. Number three, you must deploy it. Deploy it. Deploy it. Keep trying it. Initially, it will look like it's not working. But keep trying it and trying it until eventually it works. I speak over someone under the sound of my voice. Your strength will speak. Your gift will speak. Your anointing will speak. Prophesy over you, your strength will speak. Your anointing will speak. Your productivity will speak. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Shout a loud amen, somebody. Your strength is that thing you are good at. Your strength is something that God has given you grace for. Your strength is that thing that people get to know you for. Ladies and gentlemen, your strength is that something that draws from your passion and that draws men to you all the time. It's called your strength. The sad news about the church is that there are many people who are more gifted than the people they admire. The only difference between them and the people they admire is that the people they admire have taken the little pot of oil they have, kept pouring and pouring until it started speaking. There are people you admire and clap for if the truth were to be told, you're more gifted than them. But until you discover and agree with God that you're anointed, there's something in you you must work on. Guess what? Your strength may never speak. But I declare over you, from this conference it will speak. Shout aloud, from this conference it will speak. What is your weakness? Your weakness, ladies and gentlemen, is anything that impedes your progress. It's anything that makes your performance to be lower than expected. Your weakness are the temptations you struggle with. They are the character flaws that you have. They are the attitude problem people are complaining about. Ladies and gentlemen, is that one thing people keep pointing at? Amaka, you are good, but. Amaka, you're wonderful, but. Amaka, I know you go very far, but. Is that but that keeps punctuating your testimony? It's called your weakness. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you know the bad thing about the church is that a lot of Christians who are believing God for breakthroughs, they know themselves why their breakthrough will not come. They know that there's something about them that they are not dealing with, they are not talking about, they are not intentionally managing. And you know the truth, ladies and gentlemen, Samson was destroyed, not because Satan was strong. Samson was destroyed simply because he didn't give attention to the management of his strength. Are you still there with me? Talk to me, are you still there with me? Three things were told Samson. Number one, Samson, they were given three major instructions. You are a Nazarene. What does that mean? You are separated. You are consecrated. So you cannot live a wayward life. Number two, Samson, never touch wine or strong drink. Number three, Samson, your air, don't tamper with it. Reason is because it is the secret, it's the code concerning your strength. Ladies and gentlemen, if you read your Bible, the first time Samson began his ministry, my Bible told me the first place he's visited was the wine press of Timnat. So, here is a man whose instruction was, do not touch strong drink. As he began ministry, the first place he went to was where they are arranging alcohol. Come on, talk to me somebody. That's the first place he went to. Second instruction, don't touch any dead thing, Samson, because you are consecrated to God. The Bible told us he killed a lion. After killing the lion, guess the next thing Samson did? Everybody has gone home. Samson returned back. The dead lion was lying down there. He put his hand inside, collected honey from the lion, and he took it. And nobody knew he has flouted the rules. Number three, Samson, you are under instruction not to shave your hair. Now, Samson sat back and was wondering, I mean, what are you guys talking about? I mean, if you say I don't shave my hair, but there are a couple of things that they say I shouldn't do that I've done, and nothing happened. Number one, they said, don't, don't take strong drink. Okay? I've been visiting wine press, nobody knows. And I've been arranging myself, so what are we talking about? God didn't kill me. Number two, they said, Samson, don't touch dead things. And Samson is saying, I mean, let's face it. I took something from the dead animal, nothing happened to me. Samson, finally, they said, do not shave your hair. So, by the time Delilah began to mount pressure on him, mount pressure on him, Samson is asking himself, which is more serious? Which is more serious? This last instruction simply says, don't shave your head. In other words, don't go to the barber. Am I correct? Which is more powerful? The other time I was sleeping with this girl inside the Philistines' place. When they said, the Philistines are coming to catch me. You know, the Bible told us on that incident, Samson got up, put on his boxers, ran to the gates and discovered they've closed the gates of Gaza. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you know that the battle is still taking place in Gaza right now as we speak? Anybody stay with me? This battle hasn't changed. You're still the same Gaza. As we speak right now, rockets are flying between Gaza and Ashkelon. Am I correct? And the Bible said, he got there, took the gates of Gaza, shook it, carried it, removed it from the hinges. And by the way, the gates of Gaza are not like the gates in your compound. The gates of Gaza protect an entire city, not one bungalow or duplex. Heavy gates. Samson carried it, put it on his shoulder and walked. Samson said, the anointing still worked. 
even when I was disobeying. So what are we talking about? Which is more serious? Barbing of air and sleeping with an alert. I slept with the alert. Nothing happened. By the way, I've been doing it. In fact, if you go through literally all his life, speaking about managing your weakness, you will notice that when something enters a city, the first thing he sees is not the productivity in the city. It's not the factories. It's not the beautiful building. First thing, read your Bible. First thing he sees in any city is a woman. Come on, talk to me, somebody. So, and we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. The only problem was that, how do you put measures in place to manage this weakness? That's what something did not give attention to. Are you still with me, somebody? Please answer me, are you still with me? Come on, are you still with me, somebody? So, pastor, how do I manage my weakness? Number one, take responsibility. That is your weakness. Agree with yourself, I have a problem here that needs attention. Number two, every weakness differs from another. Study that's your particular weakness and get clarity on how it can be handled. Number three, most important rule on how to manage your weakness, find somebody you can be accountable to. Your pastor, your HOD, a very good, sound Christian friend who has strength in the place of your weakness. Find that person and be accountable. Be accountable. Be accountable. Number four, intentionally bring your flesh under subjection. First Corinthians 9, 44 to 47. It says, but I bring under my body, I keep it under subjection, so that when I preach to others, I don't become a castaway. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is that to the degree with which you subdue your flesh, that's how your spirit is going to rise. And if you do not give attention to subduing the flesh, then your spirit will not rise. Rule number two, pastor, how do I go about this weakness? Number two, anyone who rejects the pain of discipline has unintentionally volunteered for the pain of regret. I repeat, three things I said I will speak about. Number two, if you reject the pain of discipline, you have unintentionally volunteered for the pain of regret. Somebody say pain of regret. Jim Ron, Jim Ron was the one that wrote and he said, we must all suffer from one of two kinds of pain in life. Either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. If you don't discipline yourself, in other words, you will end up in regret. And ladies and gentlemen, trust me, the pain of regret is worse than the pain of discipline. Are you still there, somebody? Talk to me, are you still there, somebody? You've got to make up your mind which pain you prefer, discipline or regret. The bad thing with the pain of regret most times is that it comes too late for a lot of people. But that will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. Come on, I said it will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. So as I was saying, Samson looked at himself. Since he wouldn't put on him the pain of discipline, having known his weakness. Guess what? Finally, here was Delilah. And she was saying, uh -uh, What's the problem? Show me the secret of your weakness. That's all I'm asking for. For a girl you love so much, is that asking for too much? And the instructions came back all over again. Do not tell anybody the secret of your strength. Never let anybody know so that they don't shave the locks of your hair. But then Samson looked at all the things he has done and God didn't do anything about them. God didn't kill him. Heaven did not fall down. And Samson is saying, what's bobbing your hair? What is that going to do to me? What's the difference? By the way, if only Samson knew that what was playing out here was not an affair between him and a beautiful girl, but what was playing out here was the gods of the Philistines in a witchcraft operation 
to take the power of his productivity and to kill it and make him to become like every other person. If only a new. Ladies and gentlemen, please look up here. I say to people that when the devil wants to swallow up your strength, it behaves like the python. Everybody say python. I can't hear you say python. This is what the python does. When the python comes around its prey, the first rap is like a hug. Somebody say hug. So here is this deer. Beautiful deer. And the python catches the deer. And first wraps around the deer. And the deer is wondering, wow. This python loves me so much, I never knew that. What are we talking about? The python is not a bad creature after all. But as the rap is going round, gradually, guess what the python does? It starts stretching. And then, as the animal tries to breathe, it loses a bit and then it stretches more. As the animal tries to breathe again, in the world of medicine, they call it asphyxia and respiratory paralysis, consequent upon the fracture and the dislocation of both cervical vertebrates. What it simply means is this. First, it's like a hug. First, it's like I love you. But as you keep settling down to say there's really nothing wrong with what I'm doing, it tightens the grip. It stretches a bit more. And then the animal or the prey begins to asphyxiate. It begins to lose breath. It begins to gasp of breath until finally it stretches the final stretch. And when it stretches that final one, it doesn't let go until the animal finally dies. Ladies and gentlemen, here was an entire nation depending on their pastor, their judge, called Samson. Darkness was everywhere. God had abandoned them. It was their only hope. But here was the same man who was the bright son or the bright child who didn't have any problem with flouting the rules since God had not frowned at all the ones he has done. But finally, he got himself in that box and Delilah said, if you truly love me, let me have the secrets. And ladies and gentlemen, by the time he finally told her and he was shaven, the champion of Israel was reduced to three words. Number one, blind. Number two, grind. And number three, bind. First, they bound him. And this is what happens every time the devil wants to tamper with your productivity. He first binds you to your weakness since you don't deal with it and manage it well. It just makes sure that you keep staying there. And you Initially, it began as a bad habit. But over time, you now find that you can't run away from it. Now you are bound. Number two, blind. So guess what? Suddenly, you now notice that suddenly, all the great things that you used to talk about, the prophecies man of God has given, and the great things that you said you were going to do for God, suddenly you discover that the vision is getting blood. The vision is getting blood. You're no longer dreaming big again. Something is saying to you, if I can only just marry a rich man now and just have two kids and we'll handle two kids and we travel to Canada and just stay there, I think I'm better than the members of my family. Something begins to blow the vision. How about the campus fellowship you say you're going to start? How about the church you say you're going to build? How about the nations you say you're going to go to? How about the books you say you're going to write? How about the great things you say God will use you to do? No. The vision is getting blurred. Because the first thing it does is to bind. The second thing it does is to, is to blind. So suddenly all the great visions you saw in secondary school, all the great visions you saw in year one, year two, year three, all the great things that you spoke about 
starts going dim and dim and dim. And then guess what? You know, the devil is very funny. The Bible says he reduced Samson to a comedian. <sighs> Gentlemen, a man that brand new cords were put in his hand, he just did like this and they snatched. A man that took how many foxes, tied them toe to tail, set fire in their midst. You can't go near a dog. This man took foxes, ten times stronger than the worst dog. Put them together by strength. A man that took the jawbone of an animal, killed a lion. Sorry, killed a thousand men of war. The lion was bare hands, he used to kill the lion. A man that can take the gates of a city of Gaza. You know, this is what... The devil didn't just want to make it look like I've collected his strength for productivity. The devil reduced him. They brought Samson out in the midst of the loss of the Philistines. They said, let him make sport for us. Let him entertain us. They reduced that man's anointing to a comedian. You know, the devil is so wicked. The devil wanted to show him. wanted to show him that it's not only that we have collected what you have, but now I want to give you another ministry that God didn't give you. And this time around, we just turn you into... I see, once you don't work on your weakness, the next thing the devil does, he finds an alternative ministry for you. So that you now begin to... And Samson became an entertainer. But ladies and gentlemen, the Bible said, what the loss of the Philistine did not know, that Samson had prayed one prayer. Lord, I know I made a mistake. I messed up. But give me a second chance. And guess what? And I will come back again. What did he know that was his hair had begun to grow? And I prophesy over somebody whose hair has been shaven. Your hair will grow in this conference. I said your hair will grow in this conference. For the last time, your hair will grow in this conference. Shout a loud amen, somebody. I said shout a better amen, somebody. 10 o'clock this morning, we're going to be burying my cousin in Atlanta, in the U.S., and I said this without pain in my heart. My cousin was my PA, literally. When I say PA, not officially, but I mean the one person I call. Mama needs this. The children need this. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And my cousin will. My cousin won't think twice. Sometimes he's on a journey. He turns his car. He drives a Mercedes. I don't drive a Mercedes. And he said to me, Pastor, I left Nigeria to come and drive Toyota in America. I should have stayed back in Nigeria. He said, I can't drive a Toyota. My cousin is 36 years old. But I learned faith from him. Is anybody hearing me? He has walked to a Mercedes shop before and told them he wants this color of upholstery. This color of this. And they asked him, who are you? He said, you mean you don't know me? You must be the only one in Atlanta who doesn't know me. This guy doesn't have paper. My cousin walked to America. How did he get this? I walked to American Embassy. And everybody were bouncing everybody on that line. He looked at the girl. And when it was his turn, he looked at her and said, has anybody told you how beautiful you look? Somebody says, scope. <laughs> he said, in case nobody has told you, you are very beautiful. The girl is not giving anybody visa. He said, that blouse you are wearing, you didn't buy it in Nigeria. I can tell it. We don't sell such blouses in Nigeria. It must be the U.S. The girl smiled. He said, and by the way, I hope my people are not stressing you. They can be very stressful. Nobody should stretch a beautiful girl like you. The girl said, when do you want to travel? <laughs> and gave him visa. Now listen, that's the kind of, this guy is a gold getter. But, but my cousin has two problems. 
One of them is the fact that he believes that being a good Catholic is good enough. He doesn't need to get born again. So my wife and I have been working on that. And then number two, he has this problem with driving over speeding and texting while driving. And my wife and I, we've quarreled with him until we've given up. Not only, police has arrested him several times on over speeding, but for him, I mean, that's, that's his thing. He said, I can't drive a Mercedes like a Toyota. I have to speed. Number two, while he's driving, he's texting. Both of them against the law. He's been arrested several times. But that's what delayed this paper from coming. Ladies and gentlemen, two Saturdays ago, he went to the club, which is another matter. Because the wife has left him three times because of night club. And I called him, I said, you're such a wonderful human being. You are loving, you are caring, you are kind, you love your family, you are all that. Why not deal? Because the wife said, yes, we met in night club. But for goodness sake, we are married now. You can't continue with night club. All your friends, us, all bachelors. You are married now, you can't continue with night club. But my cousin will not. For him, it's like night club is part of his life. And anytime he calls me, and anytime I call him, he doesn't pick at that time of the weekend. I know it's a night club because it was a routine for him. On this particular occasion, he had returned back Friday into Saturday morning, 6 a.m. drunk. He slept. 2 o'clock, he called the wife in the afternoon and said, I'm going back. The wife said, Saturday is our family day. You're not supposed to go anywhere. Where are you going? He said, listen, we have unfinished business. He returned back to the night club. 8 o'clock, the wife called him and said, you said you'll be back by 8. He said, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Anyway, cut a long story short. He started coming back. There was no car on the road. He was all alone. And he was over speeding as usual. And then he was FaceTiming while he was speeding. So here was he over speeding. Here was he FaceTiming. Anyway, the car left the road, hit a curb. As it hit the curb, the car somersaulted. Smashed into an electric pole. Brought the pole down with power. As the car jumped into the power lines, and now the car had somersaulted several times and scattered, the electric lines shocked him and electrocuted him to death. We're burying him 10 a.m. this morning. My family has been in mourning since then because of how good he was. The most painful part for us is he didn't have to die. If you observe the basic rules, don't overspeed. Don't FaceTime or text while driving. It looks like a little weakness. What's wrong with overspeeding, especially if you are driving a Mercedes? It looks like a little weakness. What's wrong with texting while driving? But it was weakness that was big enough. My cousin just bought a house with swimming pool. I don't know when I'm going to buy one. If I will buy one. I believe I will buy one. It's not part of the dream right now. But guess what? At 36, he has a house with swimming pool. The house is at least five times bigger than the house where I live. Great guy. Goal getter. But the Bible says, when David governed Israel, he used two instruments. Number one, he led them by the integrity of his heart. It's called self-leadership before the skillfulness of his hands. If all you have is your skill to sing, 
if all you have is your preaching ability, and I know you're a great preacher, if all you have is the skillfulness of your hands, and you don't have self-leadership, what did he say in TPT? You are open to attack. Who remembers that? You're open to attack. You're open to attack. I close on this note. Pastor, what do you do? What do you do? And this brings me to my final point, number three. God's kingdom chastisement package contains mercy, direction, and restoration. God's chastisement package contains mercy, direction, and restoration, and the power for you to be restored back. God's kingdom chastisement package contains mercy, direction, and restoration. That's why you came for this conference. Not to be condemned, but you came to this conference for one reason. That God will give you, number one, chastisement. He has already done that. But also, show you mercy, give you direction, and also restoration. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation. Hebrews 12, 5. That speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, or faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth is chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he regards. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as a son. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, you are a bastard, and you are not a son. Furthermore, we have had fathers, and so on and so forth. I'll leave that for time's sake. Ladies and gentlemen, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did he do? Immediately he slaughtered a lamb. Immediately he took the skin of the lamb. Immediately he covered their nakedness. That's what God does. When God chastises you, it's not because he wants to condemn you. It's because he wants to bring about restoration. David counted Israel. God said, choose either of three. I discipline you for three years. I hand you over to your enemies for three years. Or guess what? Three years of famine. He said, it's better to fall into the hands of God. Why? Because no matter how much God beats me, at the end of the day, there is mercy, there's direction, and there's restoration. Ladies and gentlemen, are you aware that David was prophesying in Psalms 103 and verse 8. Psalm 103 verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. Psalm 103 verse 8. And now in verse 9. Verse 10. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor has he rewarded according to our iniquity. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, that's how he has far removed our transgressions from us. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities those that fear him. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you do after that the Lord has restored you? Number one, everybody look up here. Leave your past behind you. Leave the weakness behind you. And number two, return back into your assignment. You know what, what Samson did? Samson said, I agree I misbehaved. I agreed I was caught up. I agreed I messed up. But now I have cried to God for mercy. He said, God, please give me one more chance. But the only prayer Samson prayed that will not apply to you, he said, let me die with my enemy. I declare you will not die with your enemies. I didn't hear you. I said you won't die with your enemy. But Samson said, give me one more chance. Let my hair grow again and I will return back to my ministry. What's my ministry? Of destroying the Philistines. The Bible said as soon as that happened, he returned back. And the Bible says, the people he killed in his death, in one, min- in one incident, was more than all the Philistines he has killed in his lifetime. Let's look up here. 
no matter the weakness you're dealing with, no matter what you're struggling with, once you have come before God for mercy, once you have taken the steps that you should take as a child of God, please return back to your ministry. Don't let what happened put your back on the ground. Don't let it disqualify you. Every high priest is chosen from amongst men. The Bible says he knows your weakness. And as long as you are willing to manage it, he's willing to go through the process with you. But please, don't let it put you back. Return back to your assignment. Go back and take that city for God. Go back and do the work that God has called you to do. Go back and fulfill the assignment of fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. Do not allow what has happened to you or whatever is happening to you to stop you or put your back on your ground. This morning I came to prophesy to somebody, your strength is coming back. I said your strength is coming back. For the last time I said your strength is coming back. I close on this note. Are you aware that when the writer of Hebrews, which I believe to be Apollos, the Bible didn't tell us that, but it was about the only man that carried the same anointing of Paul and created division in the church. And for Paul, I'm of Apollos. And since the Bible didn't give it a name, I want to think he was the one that wrote the book of Hebrews because of the kind of anointing he carried. The writer of that book has this to say concerning something as we close. Hebrews 11 verse 32. What more shall we say? Hebrews 11 32. For the time will fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of who? Okay, it's not on the screen. Hebrews 11.32 And of Samson. Everybody say Samson. Shout aloud, say Samson. This is the Old Testament now referring to the greatness of this man. It says, and of Jephthah, and of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouth of lions. Everybody look up here. Samson was great. He may have died before his time. He may not have fully fulfilled his ministry. But Samson was still referenced in the archives of great men. Solomon's name did not come up in, the, in, the, in Hebrews chapter 11. But Samson made it to the hall of fame. Why? Because even in the midst of his failure, he still found grace to return back. I'm going to say this to you. In Acts of the Apostles, he was writing and he says, take heed first unto yourselves. And secondly, to the flock of God, he has made you overseers. If you don't first take it to yourself, you will struggle to look after the flock. He has called you to be a pastor. Rise on your feet this morning. Did I spoil your day? Rise on your feet. Rise on your feet. But I believe that this is a, this is a divine, this is a, a holy assembly. This is a solemn hour called by the Lord to put us together as leaders. See, there's a bride to look after. There is a bride to prepare for the king. And the hope of the whole world right now is Nigeria, for your information. God has no other hope. The church in Nigeria right now is the church powering the rest of the world. And as God raises each and every one of us, God will have us to know, to maximize your productivity. First of all, take it to yourself. First of all, put yourself together so that we can be more effective in order for us to maximize our productivity. Lift up your right hand. Say, Heavenly Father. I can't hear you say, Heavenly Father. This morning, I come to you in the name that is above every name. Everywhere, my hair is shaven. Let my hair grow back again. Everywhere, I have played with my strength. Let my strength be restored. Oh God, I cry unto you for restoration of my power, of my strength 
for productivity. I declare this morning, everything the enemy stole is coming back. I pray for myself this morning that everywhere I missed it, let me return back and find the place of my purpose. And in the name that is above every name, I declare over my life, I'm coming back. I'm coming back stronger, greater, and better than where I fell. Can you open your mouth and turn that into a prayer this morning? Shate baruko site manda rebe kose de breke de mokosila branda ishate leboria kande graba da kosate inene koria tali brando zalabande rebe kosia ila mama makosite badeya nembreke tekete ya irago sete libreke de gezi atalande eberia kubrokoske breke de gede riga gadaria talabraga da yakosa imbako shate le barakaso ire de 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 repo kose kete breke de gede brikoto sedebe ram Araboko sike de bereke di agarate embreke sekete kete ya iraya koroba bobo 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 ashata libarianto brekete ya imbarua sekete ya baro sekete kete kete erebe de bede 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 ereba bobo 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 shata ta 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 groskoto groko sekete brekete in Jesus name we pray I said in Jesus mighty name we pray. My God, I said in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hebrews, sorry, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, verse 8. It says, for this thing, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. We're going to declare this morning, say, oh God, let your strength be made perfect in my weakness. Can you turn that into a prayer this morning? Rapoko shegede gadaka in karako sekete prekete regede goshi kaderi atala amboko shigereba disagaya and prekete kete grebede goshi kodoya. Let your grace be sufficient unto me. Let your strength be made perfect in my weakness. Shaderataya in prekete kete erebede goshi kete kete kariata abrakata kata kata ishakorogo zigidegeria. Marianto Breketeke, Ebrende Gazile Beriako, Erebeko Shikare Kayekataya, Eradadadadadadadada, Ebregedegedegedegedege, Ibroko Sekete Barianto, Mashute Bereketeya, Iprakatakata Katakataka, Shatata Ikarete. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, I said in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Verse 10 says, Verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. If for where I am weak, what happens? Where I am weak, what happens? Can you declare after me this morning and say, Oh God, in the place of my weakness, let me become strong. In the place of my weakness, let me become strong. Can you turn that into the final prayer? Shakatali boroko sekete, imprekete kete, reboko sekete ke, aboko sikate labati, 
Ante breke sukaye erebeko shikakaria maro asende berianto a breke teke teke riatalaba a koko riatele breke te where I am weak then I become strong where I am weak then I become strong where I am weak then I become strong shatatatata i breke teke tere bato yakate erati yakori yapara kashete mero seke te yatalabatia imprako sokoto proko seke te ya arako shakata yibaria. Imprakaso koto yakataya, baraso toto rikatele, irebeke sheketeya, anana koko roboko se preketekete, bregedegedeya kaleya baraka, imbrakashataya. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I said in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Stretch your two hands like you want to receive something this morning. Moses had a weakness with anger. And that's the Bible told us. As a result of anger, God said, look at the promised land, but you will not step into it. This morning, I declare into you, everything he has given you, everything he has shown to you, every promised land he prophesied about, your ministry, your future, your destiny, you shall step into it in the name of Jesus. I said, you shall step into it in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you another definition of ministry. Another definition of ministry is taking advantage of your weakness and becoming an expert in knowing how to manage it. And in becoming an expert in managing it, you have provided solution for a generation that are struggling with the same weakness. I said, another definition for ministry is knowing your weakness, trusting God for grace on how to manage the weakness. And in managing that weakness, you have found solution. You have provided help. You have provided key for a generation of people who are struggling with the same weakness. I declare, in the place of the weakness, ministry will come out. In your misery, you will find ministry. In your weakness, you will find strength. Where you failed before, you will succeed. Where you failed before, you will succeed. Where you fell, you will rise up. I declare, your ministry will become your best asset. Your ministry will become your best testimony. Your weakness will become your best testimony. Your weakness will become your best testimony. I declare you will succeed in the name of Jesus. Samson died with his enemies. You will not die with your enemies. I said you will not die with your enemies. Your enemies will live to see you rise above your mistake. Rise above your weakness. Your enemies will see you make ministry out of your weakness. Shout a loud amen. Somebody. Pastor, why does God allow us to have weakness? For only one reason, so that there will be something in your life that makes you constantly cry back to him and say, Lord, if you don't help me, I am finished. That's why. That's why. It says, it says in John 15, 5, I am divine, not you. You are the branch. It says, except you are by he that abided in me and I in him. That's the man that will bring forth weakness. He said, for without me, the day you can do without him, where there's nothing for you to cry for mercy about, you have gained independence from God. You don't need God again. So he allows weakness in your life for one reason. So that no matter how anointed you are, Paul said for the abundance of revelation given to me, he said he gave me this thing so that I will be humble. He said, he says, he says, he says that's why he gave it to me. So that when God anoints you and is using you, there's always one thing that always makes you return back. If you don't show me mercy. That's why when he finally changed his name from Jacob to Israel, he gave him a hollow in his thigh so that there will be something, there will be a limp 
that always reminds you, I need God. I need God. Every time you see that limb, you know that I need God. Without him, I am nothing. I prophesy over you that beginning from this conference, arising from black and black and blessed, as you return back, I declare that mean, that weakness in your life will become your greatest testimony. Grace to overcome your weakness. Grace to manage your weakness. Grace to master your weakness. Grace to override your weakness. And grace to arise on the weeks of your weakness. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it! In the mighty name of Jesus. Lift up those two hands and give God praise this morning in the house. Thank you for listening to this message. We believe you were blessed. Don't be left out in this last move of God in the nations of the earth. For more of this audio messages, please click on the download link on our Facebook page at Kingdom Diplomats Engine or join us on Instagram, Play Diplomats.